Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out and give us your money at westminstereffects.com. You can make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. I think we're about to crack 150 members here soon. Uh, so, so thanks for that. Joining me in person... Bradley Cox, pastor at Res Church in Greer, South Carolina. And via FaceTime or blue jeans or whatever we're using. <laughs> uh, everybody, this is John Ross, Westminster Effects artist and church nerd from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, John, start us off. What'd you do in church? Oh, let's see. So we had a uh, one-off sermon, so outside of a normal uh, uh Preach uh, sermon series. That's the word. Sorry. Monday morning. Uh, yeah. Um, Your brain cells haven't caught up yet. No, okay. not at all. Okay. I'm, Happens I'm, to the I'm best really of dragging. us. Uh, talked about uh, flaws and frailty and uh, from, from the perspective of the human condition and uh, how the... Uh, how the gospel comes uh, to uh, uh, to rectify that. Uh, the sermon illustration was a song by a band called Rat. Uh, uh, oh, for Pete's sake! Uh, <laughs> a song. Uh, uh, wow. John cannot English today. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> by a band called Bastille, called Flaws. Uh-huh. Um, so that was the sermon illustration. Uh, I haven't haven't done a, a musical illustration in a while, but that was uh, that was kind of neat. I was on rhythm uh, week three, uh, post uh, full time worship leader Exodus, and things are going well. Um, had some uh, had some issues in rehearsal, but uh, it uh, it pulled together, and God was glorified uh, as it as it should be. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, I had the week off and it was weird. I had so much time Sunday morning. Like I ended up like cleaning the kitchen, doing dishes. Like good for you. I I didn't know what to, I wasn't sure what to do with my hands much like Ricky Bobby. Uh, but you know, Brad, Bradley, you had kind of a week off where you led worship, played acoustic, but you didn't preach. I didn't preach. Um, so, so that meant that you could belt and not worry about your throat falling apart, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, but we, I believe we finished the series on eldership, correct? We did. We did. Keith preached Sunday and we wrapped that up and, um, he said dookie one time. That was pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really sweet Sunday though. I mean, I thought, I thought the worship was powerful. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, we we did this song. We've done it for a long time, but um, it's by what's the name of the band, Cody? Um, Which song are we talking about? City is it City Harmonic or that sounds right? Um, th- their song called uh, Wedding Day, mm. um, and it is it's a it's a fantastic song. It's mm-hmm. several years old, but the refrain in the chorus is holy, holy, holy. Um, and at the end of that song Keith came up and just had us all get on our knees and we just kind of kind of sat there for a moment just you know meditating on the holiness of God it was really powerful Mm. Uh, and yeah and then we wrapped up the eldership series Um, we've, we've talked about this before we're in the process of adding some elders to our elder team and I came up at the end and kind of talked to the church a little bit about how this is going to go down and how they can be a part. And so I, I think it was great. Um, nice. it was a great Sunday. And at the same time, Keith, Keith delivered some tough phrases in there too, of, you know, it, when you're an elder, you're going to be frustrated when, you know, mm-hmm. people show up for counseling and they just haven't read their Bible. And you know, for a fact, yep. you're going to, you're going to give them biblical advice and they're just going to go in and, and trash, <laughs> trash their lives all over again. And, um, just just being realistic about the fact that pastoring is a it's a tough job while being rewarding like there, there's definitely both it's it's weighty and it's it can be really fun mm-hmm. it can be um it can be really joyous but he he wasn't pulling any punches about the fact that 
It's tough. Well, uh, you know, it, it, to me, the he taught from Ephesians four, where it talks about that Jesus gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers um, to equip the saints. Mm-hmm. And the thought I had while he was preaching, and he was he was being very candid about the the joys and also the struggles and sorrows of being an elder. And I thought, you know, that's that's doesn't tickle the ears, maybe like some sermons would, but it's it's equipping because you're mm-hmm. you're letting the church, you're giving the church a window into what a, what what an elder does, what an elder goes through, and what the purpose of all that is, yep. so that we as a body together can look for who it is that God wants to add to our elder team and and those who might be added are going in with eyes and ears wide open right to, as to what they're getting into so it was it was you know, and and that might be a topic for another day but you know sometimes sermons are not they're not tickle the ear sermons yep. they they're it's it's truth telling and 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 I would I would characterize Keith's sermon on Sunday as very prophetic he wasn't telling the future uh he was being very candid and very black and white about here's what it is and here's what it is even supposed to be Uh, and sometimes that's hard yeah yep so let's just move right along into uh never mind john has something to say yeah see yeah the internet (laughs) delay um when you said the prophetic bit i just imagined holding up scripture and be like thus saith the lord you know um, when you said uh, Keith had you all kneel, it reminded me of the church of my childhood. Our pews had built in on the bottom, uh, on on hinges, on like an axle, fold down kneelers. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I just just uh, anecdotally humorous. So there you go. Yeah, I could yeah, I could uh, definitely only go to uh, one knee because my left knee is still kind of weird. Yeah. And then, and then when he started praying, I just kind of slid back up into my seat because my lower back was getting all tight from it. So yeah. it's just <laughs> you're too young to be doing such things. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> so this this podcast isn't about my uh, never ending injuries, or I guess for that matter, <laughs> my, my wife's never ending injuries with her sprained ankle that she's right. still kind of getting over. Oh, um, so that was that was fun. So, uh, from a month ago, I guess, Montana Fox asked a two-part question. We uh, we addressed the first part of Unbelievers being a worship band uh, several episodes ago. I don't remember the number. By the way, this is episode 52. Mm. So, a year's worth. Boy, howdy. Yeah. Um, two-part question. We already addressed the Unbelievers. The second part was regarding a lady who has been serving for several years. Uh, it sounds like uh, probably like closer to 10, 12, 15 years uh, because I said when she was younger, she had a great voice, but just doesn't have it anymore. Mm. And nobody's mm. really had the heart to tell her like, mm. you know, it's, it's not there. Uh, and should she be, you know, effectively cut, you know, placed on irrevocable waivers or designated for assignment. <laughs> sit down, sit down to triple A. Uh, you know, go, go play for the kids. I don't know. Um, free agent. Yeah, yeah. So it's this is one of those situations though where this can get really awkward, and it, yeah. and it's probably easier to handle this the wrong way. Um, I know here at res that we've handled that the wrong, we've also handled it the right way, Mm -hmm. um, at certain times. Uh, what, what does this guy do? Does he, does he phase her out? Does he just turn her down in the mix (laughs) because that's already happening right now? Yeah. Or does he, or does he get honest? And if he gets honest and removes her from the team, how does that look? Hmm. So I don't have the answer, um, but I do have, uh, I can relate. Uh, so the 211 band at one time had an individual, I mean, very, very same, similar circumstance, had been with uh, um, Room 211, 211 since it had started like 14, well, at this point, it's like 17 years ago. Um, and she just, couldn't sing but she'd been there and she had really pretty good stage presence 
And she'd been a fixture, like a main person in this group for years. And uh, she'd just always be down in the mix. Always. Because excellence, right? I mean, you can't have something distracting. Uh, right. Not only for the other musicians, but for the congregation who are there uh, to pray, praise, and give thanks, right? And not be like, hmm, that, where's that sound coming from? Someone strangle a cat? <laughs> yeah, what's, you know? where's that cat coming from? <laughs> um, so I don't know um, what uh, our worship leader emeritus now did. Other than guidance that he's given me in the past of, um, you know, sometimes you just have to start not scheduling them as much. And eventually uh, they'll be like, hey, why haven't you scheduled me? And like, well, uh, and then have that conversation if that comes up. It's kind of a passive way to deal with it. I'm not sure if it's the best. Um there's also another thought that comes to mind, and, and this isn't directly, so if any of my band members and bandmates are listening to this, we're not trying to get anybody to leave. That's not what's going on. <laughs> we're good. We're good. We love, we love all of but you. But for real. Uh, but for real, get good or get gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was last week we were mentioning that uh, we dug up our roland multi-track recorder that goes that interfaces with our digital snakes and our digital console and so we can record full fidelity uh, in a live setting without any issues full multi-track and everything our goal with that is to be able to after each rehearsal um, mix down those tracks and just send them out and be like hey here you go uh, or at the end of each sunday do something similar uh, and so people can hear what's, I mean, what, as a sound engineer, what I'm getting or what Lars as our main sound engineer is getting, um, because he can only do so much. I mean, there's only so much lipstick, you know, on, on a channel strip. Um, so that could have the ability to either inspire, uh, and motivate uh, you know, practice and refinement, uh, or it could be a way to um, providing you're giving this recording to everybody. Uh, you know, give someone a way to self-evaluate. I guess is what I'm getting at, and and I think that has merits, um, but I will say the worst possible way to do it is what I did in my college band. So. In college, I took over a long-running uh, praise band at the time, praise band, um, called Route 66. We're rooted in the 66 books of the Bible. Gosh darn it. And you're in the Midwest. And we're in the Midwest. The coolest so. name. <laughs> <laughs> 211, Route 66. No. Um, it all have to do with numbers. Is there, is there like a Blink-182, some 41 kind of influence there? I don't, hey, the, the, the generation is right, you know? Yeah. Um, 311. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I was in college, we, uh, we were looking for a female vocalist. And uh, this, there's no way she was, Sarah. Uh, there's no issue. <laughs> um, of course, I'm going to be wrong, <laughs> but um, we uh, we had her come in and, and sing through, and we were honestly we were kind of desperate, so um, we put her on for a couple of uh, couple of sets, and it was just real bad. It was real bad, and so you know what I did is my uh, is my well-adjusted collegiate self. I broke up with her via. I broke up with her via email. That's what it felt like. Um, I mean, we weren't dating. It wasn't an actual breakup, but it felt like that. It's like, and I did it via email in the most like passive aggressive way possible. Um, it's like we are going as a band. We are exploring other options at this time. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I don't remember. We can definitely. I think we can definitely agree. Textually based methods are just don't do yeah. that. Uh, I've I even made that mistake in in high school where we had. Um, so I had a, a friend that I played in a bunch of bands with on drums and then a, a brother-sister combo for vocals and then the sister was on bass. Mm-hmm. And we could tell that we weren't going anywhere, we weren't any good, and the drummer developed a little crush on our girl bassist. Mm-hmm. So we had a, this tells you how long ago it was, an AOL instant messenger oh, yeah. <laughs> group Aim, chat. Buddy. And we, we planned it out that I was going to be the fall guy and take all of the blame for breaking up the band, and then he was going to ask her out. Okay. And he takes her out on this elaborate date, whatever, and then they start talking once they both get back home on AOL Instant Messenger, and she friend zones him. She's like, we're just friends, right? And uh, so, yeah, don't do it textually. Don't, if, if at all possible, I, I, I get that sometimes there are times where a phone conversation is really all that can happen, yeah. uh, where this isn't worship band related, but I had a situation um, with a, a bassist in in my hardcore band uh, who had, I mean, we basically had him around for three weeks, and I made I made YouTube YouTube tutorials for the bass parts, and he had practiced with us a couple times, and and he had been like, oh yeah, I listened to those like ten times yesterday, and then I go and look at the views and it's like one and a half mm-hmm. for each. And there were other red flags. And, and that was a time where I just had to get a little more blunt of, look, yeah. man, there's an integrity issue here. And, mm-hmm. and when we've got guys that are lying about how much they're actually practicing the parts before band practice, mm-hmm. like that's a problem and that's just not going to work out for us. And, and we let them go that way yeah. over the phone. Like I, that's a little bit different than most of the time yeah. when you're, when you're going to be seeing somebody every week. Is, is this person a singer? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. It, it, I don't know that it's all that different, but I mean, I, I could list, I could spend the rest of this episode giving examples of times where I've been through this Yeah. with people that, you know, because, uh, you know, sometimes you find yourself in a situation where uh, maybe a worship team is just getting off the ground or that you, know, you, you come into a church and you inherit people that mm-hmm. have been there since yep. the beginning. And now the standard of excellence is, is, is getting higher and they just can't keep up. Right. And the, the, the most effective way that I've found to deal with this, and it doesn't always work, but I would say of the, I mean, I literally could list a dozen examples right now mm-hmm. of 20 years of doing this. Um, most of the time this worked was I just began to ratchet up the expectations. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, when a person talent-wise, ability-wise, is not able to keep up, that's going to help them see that clearly themselves. Yeah. Right. Uh, one example um, that I could think of was um, um, a piano player that I had um, at a previous church. It's actually the first church that I worked in. Is we just, we just started to get better. And the, the better we got... Uh, the more we started to expect, and mm-hmm. it, it it and what do I mean by expectations? I mean we just started to expect that when you come into rehearsal, yep. we're not having to teach you yeah. what your part. You know your part, right? And this lady just became self aware. It's like I can't do that, and and then the mm-hmm. conversation is a little bit easier, and to say, okay, well let's help let's help you find. A place to serve that better fits your abilities, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, there was one instance that I can think of that was actually here where that did not work, mm-hmm. uh, and that was with a vocalist. We started to ramp up expectations, and at Res, I don't know if it's true of this church, but at Res, if you're going to be on the vocal team, you have to be able to sing harmony. It right. does not matter, right? You know where what what range you land in if you're a soprano or tenor or alto it really doesn't matter you have to be able to sing harmony mm-hmm. and you have to be able to pick it up by ear quickly yep. you have to be you have to come our expectation is that you come into rehearsal and for the most part you know what you're supposed to sing yeah. right 
like there's there's room for there's man, room for man, hey man, let's I'm, tweak that yeah. that note could be better mm-hmm. this or that but if you can't yeah. do that well you can't you can't refine if you don't have something to start with you know what i mean right. well, I had one lady i had let me finish this one part yeah 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 go ahead. i had one lady here that that you know i think she she joined our team at a time where we were desperate and as the team grew it she just was dead weight for lack of a better way yeah. to put it and we ramped up the expectations and she just wasn't I'm not saying she's not a self-aware person in general but she wasn't self-aware enough musically to realize that she was just not cutting it and that at that point mm-hmm. after some time of making the expectations clear and giving a person the opportunity to either meet those expectations or realize they can't she she didn't do either one and we had to have a hard conversation with right. her and that was not easy it's not comfortable um i'm not sure what the best way is to handle that other than just be direct be honest and just say look you can't do this and this is what we need mm-hmm. and so we're going to have to go in a different direction and do that as kindly as you can but it's always for for whatever reason in music in particular People's feelings are kind of always on their oh, sleeves, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's hard not to hurt people's feelings. It really is because because we tend to think of ourselves as our musical ability. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's just tough. Like if like mm-hmm. I had I, in my very first pop punk band in high school, um, I was you know we basically tried to do the whole blink thing where one yeah. of us took half of the vocals and the other one took the other half and whatever and. Uh, and I just didn't know what I was doing. Mm. And somebody told me that. <laughs> and I was just like, you're a jerk. Mm. And then I thought of, I was like, crap, he's right. <laughs> you know, we always sound better in our heads, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, and we never, like, as a musician, like a legit, like, seasoned musician, we, we understand that. And so we know that when we hear something back, it's rarely going to be as good as we thought it was. Um, here's the thing that puzzles me a bit is in the question, he says that she used to be good, but not anymore. So like, I mean, is there something else going on in, is it actually her that's changed or have the expectations of the group changed? And, you know, and what the expectations were at the very beginning, um, were it could also be a style cool. thing too, John. Like, you know, over, over time, yeah. over time, music style changes, and oh, yeah. some people are not capable of adapting. Yeah. Where, yeah. Whereas in you know the worship music of the '90s, let's say, someone might have thrived. They stopped playing Sanctuary. Exactly. They week. might have thrived musically, but then you start doing some of the more modern stuff now. Yeah, I mean, it's going a different from, way of uh, playing. Yeah. Shout to the north to alive. It's uh, a little different. Yeah, a little different. Uh, you know, and that's that's entirely possible. And so then the begs the questions like, if if they're not well suited for that style, it has to. It would almost have to be difficult for them. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully they're self aware and it's difficult. But then the question is, is like, why hasn't she? sought out assistance or a why or I don't know. That's strange. And, and at the very end of the day, why why does she want to be on the team? I, I suppose is we need to go to the desires of the heart as well. Like so why why do you do you know, why why do you do this? What do you mean playing the band? No, sing off key. <laughs> well and that's why I say that a, a lot of times ramping up the expectations will fix the problem um at least in the sense that they get to that point of desperation where they they actually on their own say look i'm struggling here because Mm -hmm. a lot of times there's insecurity that's wrapped up in this they're afraid to say anything they're afraid to admit they're struggling um they don't want to jeopardize their position because this maybe has been their identity in the church is that Mm. she sings on the worship team and now what who am i in this church if i don't do that and that's a very difficult thing, um, but I, th- I think as a leader, you have to you have to use discernment with this. Um, I mentioned the first church I worked in, and there was also a guitar player 
who was not very good, but he had been the only guitar player there for a long time. And when I took over the team, um, it was clear that he was just not able to keep up. Um, and I brought in another guitar player and he got very combative and, um, just insecure territorial. Mm-hmm. And that was a real struggle for me. And unfortunately this, my, the pastor over me was not on board with me removing him, um, which I felt like should have happened at the time. However, I left that church and, you know, they've been through several different worship leaders since I left He's still on the team. Oh, goodness. And you know the guy that comes here and does a lot of our web stuff, Taylor? Yeah. Okay, so Taylor, he led worship there for a long time. He's not the main worship leader now. Um, But this guy's still on the team, and he has grown and adapted enough that they they enjoy having him. He's not – I think they keep his volume fairly low in the mix. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they've helped him – uh, you know, like he tried to be a lead player and he just was not that. Yeah. Mm. So they really helped him adapt to become more of a rhythm player. He he went along with that and he grew in his ability enough that they were able to keep him on the team. And I know that there were conversations with him where it was like, I won't mention his name, but uh, you look, this is what we need you to do. And mm-hmm. if you're going to be a part of this team. This is the way that we can see that happening. Yeah, and he went on board with that. Um, so, again, Which is, that's awesome. That is that's it's great, and that's why I say I don't know this lady. I don't know her ability levels. I don't know what she can and can't do. But I think some discernment as to you know, and and I, I go back to what I said earlier: ramp up the expectations, clarify them, and see if she can adapt and adjust. And if she can't. Hopefully, prayerfully, she will realize that on her own. Um, and and but e- either way, I think you're going to have to have somewhat of a hard conversation. You know, you talk about adjusting, like, hey, this is what we want you to do, mm-hmm. um, and now work toward that. This could even be a situation where she just hasn't taken care of her voice, could where be. she hasn't been warming up, she hasn't done any kind of exercises with that kind of stuff, where. I've just had this realization in the past several months that that's just as important as, you know, knowing what a G chord is Mm -hmm. on on the guitar, um, where a lot of singers, you know, comes fairly naturally to them. They don't have to Mm -hmm. really do anything to uh, to keep it in shape. You know, especially through maybe their 20s, early 30s. But then once they hit hit uh 40 like you bradley because you're old um (laughs) true it's true (laughs) and and then it's like oh man you know my my body isn't where it was in college yeah i think there's something to be said about that yeah so montana ramp up expectations so any do we have any communicate do we have any any stories about this blowing up or going really well and it being really rewarding in the long run? I have both. I mean, you want to share one or two or yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you one that went really, really well. Um, a church that I was at in Anderson, which when I got there, it was a very young church plant and they had no band at all. No worship. They had some singers that would sing the tracks, and so I got there and found a guy in the church who could get by on the bass. Um, and the pastor was a good drummer. Um, he just hadn't been playing because they didn't have any other musicians. And then my wife and I came on board, and we could both play keys. So we started with a bass player, pastor on drums, Mary and I on keyboards. And that went well for a while. And then this new guy came to the church um, who was a probably the best bass player that I've ever played with. Like, he was just a rock star. Um, we, he, after church one Sunday, he just kind of, we were all hanging out, and he went over, picked up the bass, and just started playing. And I went, wow. <laughs> He's one of those guys. Yeah, so naturally speaking, we started to um, think about, okay, how are we going to get this guy in? And we started to rotate uh, him with this other guy, but the other guy kind of felt slighted by that, which mm-hmm. 
he shouldn't have. That's, in my opinion, that's an immature thing. But as things develop, the guy that was running sound um, moved away. He got relocated by his job. And so the first bass player said, well, I think I could do sound. And we were like, fantastic. Go do it. Mm-hmm. We had nobody else to do it. And it turns out he was really good at it. Like he, he was a technical guy, so he understood some of the the yeah. you know physical aspects of it um and then he had a great ear um and he was he became really the best sound person that we ever had there at that church and he was happy and fulfilled he felt affirmed and then we got this other guy on the base and so there's an example of sometimes these situations begin awkwardly but you actually help people find what their strengths are uh in the long run so there's a there's a win yeah, yeah. You got anything, John? Uh, no, not. I mean, not really. Uh, I don't think. Like, I can't remember. I mean, Route sixty six was the same band ever since that little email debacle, and <laughs> you know the the two eleven band. Um, until recently, I hadn't had the role of uh, of adding or or removing or, or, or anything in between band members. Um, and it hadn't really happened in, in the time that I've been with the band in the last four or five years, it hadn't really happened. Um, I mean, thanks be to God. Mm. Uh, Yeah. But when someone's, I mean, this is mostly just going to be a, a recap of, of things that we've talked about is when someone's value is wrapped up, and value and identity, I think, is wrapped up in. I'm a guitar player. I'm a bass player. I'm a vocalist. This is this is me. Um, then they absolutely will feel slighted, so to speak. Um, especially if no one's ever given them a chance before, um, because perhaps they have gone out and tried to uh, uh, to offer uh, this ability elsewhere and uh, maybe that situation the band wasn't in as dire straits as for instance yours was Bradley when you know when you kind of put your ragamuffin group together um, but when that person gets on it's like I did it I, I made it I'm in it you know that's uh, you know that's that's a big thing for them Uh I will say, you know, from from my perspective of originally auditioning with the 211 band like eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, and I completely flopped it. I mean, it was bad. Um, I I was a little uh, a little heartbroken at first because my identity, a lot of my value, self value, was kind of pent up in my musicianship. Um, but eventually I used that as a, as motivation to, you know, refine my craft, um, motivate me for practice. And, uh, and eventually I re-auditioned and, and went right ahead. Uh, but not everyone's going to respond that way. And that's the, uh, nice boing. I do what I can. Cody, yeah. Cody just adjusted the, uh, the retaining yep. spring. On See his, what, uh, ha- what happened was. Yeah, I got a I got a story that that started yeah. that started bad and then ended really well. Um, where thankfully I haven't been in charge of any of the cuts <laughs> here at Res. That's been more on on uh, Aaron, who kind of does. I guess you could say the administrating mm-hmm. regarding the the worship team. Uh, but with uh, my and my wife Kristen's hardcore band, this is back when we were still dating. So this was forever ago. Um, basically, the band set out like when we started we were like we're trying to get signed to a record label and do this for a living and we we took ourselves too seriously and Mm -hmm. even even within that like Kristen wasn't where she needed to be I wasn't where I needed to be uh 
you know, I was working survival jobs. So I would go in, uh, make sandwiches and then go and coach baseball and then do, you know, like a hitting lesson and then go to band practice, like just back to back to back all day. So backing vocals, my, my throat was worn out from yelling across baseball field <laughs> for a couple hours and, you know, I'm just exhausted. And, um, and it kind of imploded where it was basically everybody quit, but Kristen to me. And so we were like, well, what do we do now? So we, you know, metal bands rotate members just constantly anyway, cause we're all flakes. Um, <laughs> so, so we end up, you know, we end up kind of reconnecting with a couple of the members and we were a six piece band, uh, three of the other four members ended up rejoining at some point. And it was like, we're just going to have fun with this. We're not going to take ourselves too seriously. And, you know, still friends with, with those guys after, after all of that. And like, it was a, it was a pretty bad breakup. Like it was, it was pretty gnarly mm. there for a minute, but you know, like nobody holds anything against each other. We can all have a conversation. If we see each other, it's like, it's, it's really like we, <laughs> it's you just don't miss a beat mm. you know mm. um, so that was you know a pretty awful situation that turned out pretty good mm. and um, yeah so shall we uh, move on to the Inquisition I would say one last thing to Montana Fox don't let it linger yes. yeah yep. it will become toxic uh, if it hasn't already um, do do what you feel like needs to be done either ramp up expectations have a conversation or both and do it sooner rather than later don't let it linger does god run out of patience how do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of scripture how do i deal with my kids who have left the faith does god forget our sin Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform, and check out all7days.com. shorter inquisition today uh first one from zeb carpenter which is more of a gear question he says as a stomp box builder what are your thoughts on the new generation of multi-effects like the helix axe effects kemper etc um my thoughts are generally that yeah the technology has massively improved uh but it still doesn't sound as good as regular old effects into an amp like even and i'll even say this about the geneva amp sim uh, as good as it as I think it sounds, I build it. I have to think it sounds good. Um, I, it still doesn't sound as good as speakers pushing air. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I guess where I ultimately come down on it is time-based effects, delay and reverb and modulation. Uh, you can digitize those and sound incredible and oftentimes better than something like a spring reverb or an, or a true analog mm-hmm. delay. Yeah. Uh, but there's still something about playing with uh, electrons in, in your drive section uh, with, you know, diodes, transistors, op amps and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. uh, actual analog stuff. I look at, you know, stuff like uh, the the name is escaping me, but any kind of digital overdrive still kind of sounds kind of sterile uh, mm-hmm. to me. Maybe I'm wrong, but whatever. Uh, you know, I, I understand that most people in a like in a church congregation they're not going to know the difference um it's ultimately for the guitarist benefit (laughs) like we can be honest about that but at the same time uh if you want to sound best i think you know a traditional pedals and amp setup is going to probably sound best so not uh, not always the easiest not always the easiest but you can't can't go be ring up brian wall and be like hey i'm going to give you 20 bucks if you give me all your helix patches Right. You know, it's it's certainly not as easy as as that. Um, certainly, pedals and amps are easier starting from scratch and not you know buying someone else's patches and impulse responses and all that stuff. It's like you just go and turn knobs until something sounds good. No, right. U- USB <laughs> for schnickiness and and whatnot. I completely agree. Uh, yeah. I've, uh, I've been a, a pod guy for 
for years. I used Line 6 stuff out the wazoo. I had pretty much everything. I, I've even had recently an HX uh, stomp, and uh, I sold that for truck parts because <laughs> I, I it just I ran my Geneva and my Calcinon dual reverb, both from Westminster, of course, and I ran them right next to, into my audio interface, the HX Stomp running an AC30 with a spring reverb tank. And, uh, I mean, I had more headroom on the Helix, but it sounded the same. Oh, I can hear I can hear Bradley's thoughts right now, like on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, when <laughs> Everett votes for yours truly, and Pete votes for yours truly, too. And Delmar says, well, I'm with you fellers. <laughs> I concur. Um, Scott Hamilton. So he asks a question about kinism. So this is about to get fun. Uh, how about the Christian Reformed Church's recent denouncement of kinism as heresy? Uh, a brief definition of kinism from the article, which we'll, we'll put in the show notes, uh, says that the races should be kept separate in racially pure religio-ethnic states supporting white pr- supremacy. A former CRC pastor now dismissed from the denomination espouses kinism, did so for many years while he and his church were part of the CRC. See, so basically, no interracial marriage. Um, we should have effectively a Caucasian state over here, a black state over here, an Asian state over there, no. and and they don't mix. Um, what do we think about the CRC uh, saying that's heresy? We're not going to have that. My first response is good. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's nonsense. <laughs> I mean, I mean I I'm think... sitting here going, "What the heck?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> how can really? how can you read uh, any of the Bible within context and be okay yeah. with that position? You know, I almost think that Scott's spin on this wasn't that whether um, kinism is right or wrong. I think right. You know, it's it's obviously uh, horrendous. I think what he was getting at is whether it's right to call it heresy or not. And, and I think in, in one of the articles I was reading, it, it got to that point, and it was, uh, well, before we start labeling something as heresy, what is heresy? And uh, they yeah, defined it point. in this sense as, as a grievous or egregious departure from sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and I, I mean, I believe that even... Uh, um, oh, for Pete's sake, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Um, those, those two cultures would never, or, or the woman at the well, like those cultures do not interact. Mm-hmm. Yet Christ unifies. Yep. Yet the love yep. of God brings together. Neither so, on this mountain nor on that mountain. Exactly. Spirit and truth. Uh, Bradley, as a pastor, um, one, have you ever dealt with this kind of thinking? I'm sure in the Deep South, you've you've dealt with some forms of racism as a pastor. Oh, yeah. Um, have you ever dealt with kinism? No. No, I've Not never. Not specifically that. No, I, <clears throat> I've never. I, I've certainly dealt with racism, prejudice in the church. I mean, mm-hmm. when I first got to Res uh, 14 years ago, there was a guy in the sound booth that I'm pretty sure was a part of some version of the KKK. Mm. Um, in fact, when I came here, this was an all-white, um, very rural, rural-minded church um, culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that everybody in the church was prejudiced or anything, but this guy, you know, was with the first new couple that came. I remember this distinctly when I came on staff. The first new couple was a a wife who hailed from New York City. And her hair was dyed purple, and she had tattoos, and she was married to an African-American man. Mm. And their second Sunday, they joined the choir. Yeah. And that was just like, you know, it, it was almost, it wasn't almost, it was culture shock for this church. Sure. But the guy in the booth, his... I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad Rez got over that. Oh, man. <laughs> you and me both, brother. I, I'm, not, I'm not biased about that at all, though. But the guy in the sound booth, the guy in the sound booth, his claws came out when that happened. And I had, that was, you know, a church discipline issue that we had to deal with, and he was quickly gone. But, um, you know, I've dealt with that kind of thing in various contexts, but I've never had anybody that tries to assert biblically 
that we should stay segregated in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 always been a matter of preference. So would I consider that heresy? I think John raises a good point, and I can't say that I've thought through this. Sure, but. In the moment right now, what the thoughts that are coming to my mind scripturally are, you know, every tongue, every tongue, tribe and nation. Um, there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. Mm-hmm. There, there's there, there there is inherent within the gospel this this uni- unification that happens in Christ regardless of creed, regardless of, you know, heritage, mm-hmm. where, where you come from. And. So in that sense, would we call this heresy? I, I think we could maybe. Yeah. Again, yeah. I haven't thought through this. Um, so that's a great question. Um, I I'd certainly applaud the CRC for denouncing this. Yeah, uh, and we're not we're not advocating for like the woke church model of you know basically having an overemphasis on social justice stuff by no, any means. No, no, no. no, um, no. I think I think that would be a great episode. It especially. would be. It would be. Hey, Tom Askell give us a call i mean i think about how paul addressed peter and you know the prejudice that was still you know Mm -hmm. shaping a lot of his thinking um i think about even the way paul addressed and it's not an apples to apples comparison but you know the uh the judaizers that were you know derailing the galatians you know it just there's a I, I, I'm, I totally agree with you. We're not we're not talking about a social justice issue here. We're talking about a kingdom issue, right? Yeah. And the the you know kind of in short, my stance on social justice and the church right now is is fundamentally that the church should represent the kingdom. Mm-hmm. The church should look like the kingdom, and and what is the kingdom? It's every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's you know you don't go sit beside the rich people in the church to take care of your poverty. You realize that th- th- that's that's not what we're about. There's not a class system in the church. Right. There's not a, a a racial you know discrimination that's going on in the church. In 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 the church, that's the way we're supposed to look because we're supposed to represent the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And when you when when you remove that with with something like this, I don't know, but what you would call it heresy. Um, you know, are those people apostate? I mean, I don't know, but I I I struggle sometimes with stuff like this and, and wondering how is it that people actually, if they're really endeavoring to follow Christ, if their hearts are submitted to Jesus and they're, de- you know, with, with everything in them wanting to live under the authority of scripture, how they come to these kinds of conclusions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I just don't see how that's possible. And I do think it's, it's important to note there's a difference between ignorance and, uh, exactly. So, so James yeah. White talks often mm-hmm. about how most American Christians are kind of by default modalists mm-hmm. because they just haven't been taught the That's proper right. doctrine of the Trinity. There's a difference between just not knowing, but then studying it and then being like, no, I'm a modalist. Yeah. Um, where with Kenism, you almost have to be, <laughs> uh, yeah. that almost has to be like an, an overt rejection of core gospel truths. I mean, as far as it sounds, yeah. I don't mean to trivialize this, but when, but you're gonna, no, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just kidding. I'm just going <laughs> to use, a, I'm just going to use a, uh, an unexpected parallel. Um, Star Wars, Yoda, I believe. Yoda is talking to Luke about the light side versus the dark side of the force. And Luke asks, so the dark side is stronger then? And Yoda says, no. And then he goes on saying, but it is more attractive. Maybe that's, maybe that's what we've got here. It's that by no means can you find rationale for this in scripture. Mm-mm. But if that's what you're doing and you are, I mean, and it goes back to the two methods of biblical interpretation, right? If you're going to do eisegesis and you're going to stand on top of scripture, stand above it and place your thoughts, your expectations, your rubric on top of it, you will get what you want out of it, mm-hmm. whether, whether reasonably or not, which is why it's so important to stand underneath scripture and receive what it gives to us, you know, and because if that hate's already there, it's 
it's going to be difficult to shake it because that is that is our human nature you know our, we are spiritually blind spiritually dead a spiritual enemy of god and when we are those three things we are also a hater of our neighbor yep uh, yeah yep So let's get off of the heavy note. John, yes. recommend us something. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh, well, shoot, a, uh, a s'more stout sound or s'more porter sounds pretty good right about now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was actually, after looking at the show notes, I was looking for something um, that I had read um, on on really any of these topics, and, and I wasn't able to find something. Um and I mean, outside of that, that I have read, I mean, I found other things that would potentially mm-hmm. be good, but nothing that I can personally recommend. Um, so that's, uh, I mean, so I tried, gosh darn it, uh, but I came up empty handed, uh, which is, uh, is kind of lame. I will recommend uh, something that's non-thematic, though. I've uh, recently been... Um, once again, the Westminster Effects being the official, unofficial uh, <laughs> fan podcast of DesiringGod.org. Yes. Um, on the Desiring God YouTube channel. This was channel. the longest we've ever gone without a Piper or Desiring I God know. reference. Well, I'm shoot, pretty sure. it's, happen- it's happening now. On the YouTube channel for DesiringGod.org, there are several uh, acoustic covers of, uh, of songs. Anything from It Is Well With My Soul to You Slay Me by Shane and Shane. That You with- Slay Me one will wreck you. I know. With a portion of John Piper's sermons edited into it on top of the music. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> like, like I before worship yesterday, I just found as many as I could. And like that was my that was my devotion and like spiritual prep for the morning. Um, John Piper, gosh darn it. If you ever hear this, uh, <laughs> holy smokes. Uh, you you are you are loved and appreciated, sir. Yeah. <laughs> if you couldn't tell from the other fifty one episodes, <laughs> since, since you brought up Piper, um, yeah, there we go. And that and that and that the specific example, I, I've heard that where they edit clips of his sermon into that song. But last night I I read an article. Um, by him that it's called nothing can replace preaching our glorious and dangerous calling and you know the the article i don't know if it will hit people that don't teach on a regular basis as much as it hit me but man does he picture with words what i think preaching and teaching is all about and he calls it expository exaltation Mm -hmm. and this probably the biggest impact that piper has made on my life has been that he reframed for me the task of preaching as a form of worship and that just you know for me beginning ministry beginning my you know my my ministry career if you will as a worship leader and that being really the bulk of what i've done um is is being a part of worship teams and then sort of morphing into this role of pastor teacher that just made so much sense to me and i think it's right and i and it changed the way i approached uh the pulpit every week was because i've read that from him before and this article was just yet another just great piper um gift to the body of christ Mm -hmm. and particularly to those who preach and teach so i'd recommend that article um i was also going to just mention it has nothing to do with what we talked about today but i picked up uh eric metaxas biography on martin luther Mm. Um, and the reason I was going to recommend it is, you know, church history is not something that I think gets pushed a lot in the church, you know, for lay people, if you will, to really go back and, and, and read and learn about church history. And I think a lot of the, a lot of people are intimidated by that. A lot of the books that are written are, are, you know, fairly academic and, um, maybe just boring quite frankly to some people mm-hmm, sure. but eric metaxas 
is a great read. Mm-hmm. He is he's a great storyteller. Um, and he captures the story of Martin Luther in a way that it feels like you're reading a really, really good fiction novel, but it's mm-hmm. accurate. Um, and I, I just I was in Barnes and Noble and picked it up off the shelf and started reading it while my wife and kids were looking at other things, and I just couldn't put it down. I just thought it was so good and fun. Oh, wow, yeah. So if yes. you're looking for some good summer reading, you know, uh, and you want it to be, you know, not totally unproductive, um, mm-hmm. that's a great book. Great book. Yeah. So my recommended this week is uh, by Albert Moeller, The Apostles' Creed, Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits where he, he basically exegetes the Apostles' Creed. And in his introduction, he says, yes, Christianity is more than the Apostles' Creed, but it's not less than it. Hmm. Um, and he goes through every phrase, you know, I believe in God. Hmm. <laughs> you know, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, etc. And uh, just goes through every phrase, explains what it means, and why why that's core to the to the Christian faith. So... Uh, pretty pretty easy read too. I mean, Moeller's Moeller's such a, a good clear communicator mm. that it's I'm I'm I would say he's never said um in his entire life, but I did catch him saying um a couple times in an interview recently. So <laughs> so that that kind of threw me for a loop when he actually dropped an um. But anyway, yeah, the Apostles' Creed, Albert Moeller. Uh, so follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you join the. The Doxology Podcast Lounge, not the Pox. Don't get the Pox. Uh, Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Leave a five-star review. You can support the show at Anchor.fm, where you can donate money and help us improve, like obtaining these microphones and other projects for the future. The first five people who pledge donate $10 a month for a year get a Piper Drive version 2. We have one more of those spots left. So, uh, we will leave you this week with a new song from Westminster Artists Wolves at the Gate off of their upcoming album which releases in about a month so thanks for listening